Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Midpoint. I really love recording these podcasts because I get to speak to so many brilliant people who have, how can I put it politely, lived a lot of life. And they've got so much wisdom to share. So I thought this month I'd go back through the archives and cherry pick some of the great conversations from past series. Some you might not have heard before and some you might like to hear again. A theme that regularly pops up in our conversations is relationships, be they familial, romantic or simply friendships. Midlife can be a period of reflection, sometimes revelation and definitely change. And not all relationships can withstand that. So today, I have a sort of smorgasbord of chats for you on this very subject. Writer and podcaster Elizabeth Day confessed to spending much of her 20s and 30s outsourcing her sense of self to other people and trying to please everyone. But this enabled her to write her book, Friendaholic, Confessions of a Friendship Addict. So it's not all bad. And we had a really great chat about friendships in midlife. With friendships, particularly I think with female friendships, we're socially conditioned to believe that they should last forever. That if a friendship ends, it's in some way a failure. And I don't think that we have that same conditioning about romantic relationships It's actually quite rare that we meet someone at school and then we're with them forever and we marry them and we're happy ever after. And there's this whole language around romantic breakup that there isn't around friendship breakup. And one of the things that I realised during the pandemic, and I think it's a realisation that a lot of people had, was that the people that I was spending time with weren't necessarily the ones that were great for my energetic health. And they would probably say the same, but we felt that we had to be in it because we were friends. So we had to like carry on being friends. And actually, I've realised now that friendships aren't failures just because they end, that you can still have a really loving relationship with the memory of that friendship for who you both were at that time in your life. And you've both evolved and grown and that's okay. And we need to get more comfortable with that. So in answer to your question, I think it's hugely important to allow the energies and the thoughts in from other people that you really respond to and value and that make you feel good, that uh, radiate positivity if that's what you're after. But that's not to say that you have to eliminate everyone else from your life, just that you should be aware of how they make you feel after you've had an interaction with them and then act accordingly. And it's okay, as my best friend Emma, who's she's actually also a therapist, which is a great combination. <laughs> she um, she talks about the power of a non-verbal boundary. You don't actually have to verbalise everything. You don't have to verbalise your boundaries. You can just choose to step back and be a bit quieter. And sometimes we all need to do that to protect our mental health. That's so interesting because there are some friends who 
you get the feeling that they they need to have that contact, otherwise as, as reassurance almost that they're still important in your life. And other friends that you cannot see for you know years and just come back together for a bit and then go again. And um, I guess, again, going back to what you said before, it also reflects what's going on in their lives and who they are and what they need. And the the kind of human instinct to, to try and take that on board, it goes back to pleasing people. Exactly. And one of the things that, you know, this, it sounds weird when I say it, but I'm really passionate about hopefully introducing a sort of language around friendship that makes these interactions easier for everyone. One of the things that I think is really helpful to do is before you decide to be friends with someone, there's a difference between being friendly and choosing to have a friendship. So when you're in the early stages of being friendly with a mum at the school gates or someone you met around the water cooler at work or someone in yoga class, that's great. But I think it's really important to work out what they're expecting of a friendship and what your metric of friendship is. Because as you say, there are people who find it incredibly important to have a weekly phone call. They want a check in daily. Otherwise, they feel neglected. I'm not that person. I can't give you that. What I can give you and what I believe is more important is generosity of spirit. So I will always think the best of you. If you're my friend, I will be loyal to a four. I'll always think the best of you. And we don't actually have to have a phone call and we don't have to see each other that much. When we do, I know we'll be able to hit that relational depth really quickly and we'll be able to have that interaction without guilt and just with love. And so I think that's really important because I think a lot of people, and from my experience, women feel so much guilt all the time. And we just need to eliminate as much of that as possible as we can from life because it's a it's a bit of a wasted emotion it's often not telling you the truth no and um i guess midlife is as good a time as any to have a little friend detox then isn't it so is that what the book's about is it about and something that you experienced and having a bit of a cleanse yes i don't want to make my sound sound too awful (laughs) because it was also about identifying how much i love my friends but you're right. It was the midpoint of my life. And I just thought, where am I spending my time? And because I had this hangover of people pleasing, generally, if someone asked me to do something, I'd say yes, because I'd want to please them, which is actually a very arrogant thing to say, to to believe egotistically that you're going to that bring you're that pleasure. important to them. <laughs> exactly. Um, and as you were saying earlier, my kind of closest friends never put those demands on my time. They were so considerate. And therefore, I'd end up not seeing them as much. But I actually wanted to see them because they were the really nurturing ones. So there's definitely a, a rebalancing. And I would say it was a mutual detox, actually, because at the point that you start to feel a friendship is more harmful than healing, the chances are that the other person feels that too. And, and that's what I discovered, that actually I was able for the first time ever to have quite a grown up and mature friendship ending where we both express that to each other. And it was the first time I've ever done that. And it actually taught me a lot and felt so much better than what we often do, which is just fall out of people's lives without an explanation. We kind of ghost each other. So yes, there's been a, there's been a rebalancing, definitely. And one of the things I discovered through the research of the book is that there's been this incredible scientific study done by Robin Dunbar, who's basically like 
the friendship guru. And he famously came up with a number called Dunbar's number of 150, which is sort of, that's the amount of connections that a human brain can cope with. So it's the size of an average Christmas card list. It would be the size of a sort of biggish wedding, but it's, it's, it's the size, it's the group of people that you can have a human interaction that you know your connection with. And beyond that, we, we sort of lose our connection points. He, he finessed this idea and made it into a series of friendship layers. And in your innermost layer, he says you can have up to five really intimate friendships. If you fall in love or you have kids, that will cost you two of those friendships. Because the amount of time that we need to put into a friendship to make it meaningful, to make it a really close friendship, a a 4am phone call friendship, that requires hours. And actually, you don't have as much time if you're pursuing other relationships. So I find that really interesting and actually quite liberating. It is really interesting. And it makes me think about couples as well, because you it's harder to cleanse if there's a couple who are you know part and often there's a there's a weight that isn't equal so the 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 male part of that couple or you know if it's a same-sex relationship there's one of those people that isn't necessarily as close to you as the other one so you kind of would be losing both or you can't you retain one and and that and that becomes quite tricky as well my husband's got a lot of male friends that i'm not particularly friendly with the you know the wives not that there's nothing wrong with who are they name them no i'm kidding (laughs) we just don't hang out you know yeah and it makes it he has you know nights where he just sees them which i think is great i love that whereas he's much more like we'll all go out and i said i haven't got time to have yeah. all those women now in my life they're not they're not part of my friendship group he seems to just have an infinite amount of time to keep you know, keep pulling people How, in that's so interesting because most straight men hemorrhage friends in their midpoint and I wonder with your husband whether it's because of the sporting background that mm. actually that's helped with the friendships. There's a team. There has to be a team. a team. That's so interesting. <laughs> well, it's interesting you say um, straight men because my son always says that his dad is the gayest straight man he's ever met. So um, that's <laughs> what a compliment. <laughs> I know. So so maybe it's that part of his personality. But he does love meeting new people. And I, you know, when you're on holiday, it's that classic uh, thing yeah. where you say. They're a really nice couple, but when we go home, we don't have to see them ever again, you know. Whereas he'll say, we'll go out sometime. And I always say to him later on, back in the hotel room, we won't. We'll never see them again. (laughs) I'm definitely more like you. And actually, and I think I don't have friendship groups. That's the other thing. So I... I'm not a former professional athlete, spoiler alert. Um, And I've never had a team. I've never had a a, a big group. I tend to really love, I'm sort of an introvert operating in an extrovert world. So I love one-on-one connection. So I have a lot of friends who I see individually and therefore I don't have enough time to endlessly expand that network because I can't just see a big group of people all at once. And I think that's that's also something that plays into how we pursue our friendships. It's a fascinating subject. It is really, because it does predicate at least a part of your happiness on the planet, doesn't it? Who who you have in your circle and how they operate with each other or whether they're operating in silos, you know, and you have kind of completely separate friendship groups. And I, I didn't expect to go so deep into that as well. It's such an interesting topic that we yes. haven't explored in midlife and midpoint. Oh, I'm, well, I'm so glad to be able to talk about it because 
as you know, like having writing a book and then talking about it, as we've discussed, two separate things. But I feel like I've got all of this research that I need to <laughs> yes. share with the world. And that thing about friendship being integral to the happiness of our lives is absolutely true. There's scientific basis in that. Not having any friends is as dangerous for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day or being obese. But fascinatingly, having too many friends is also bad for your health and can lead to higher incidences of depression. So yeah. it's actually about finding the happy medium. Well, you don't flinch when you hear, well, I certainly don't you know, these days when I hear another, you know, kind of sadly a separation, you know, a midlife separation, because that kind of happens quite a lot when people get the empty nest syndrome and they look at yeah. each other and they're not quite sure where they're together anymore. You hear about couples going their separate ways, often quite amicably because they've kind of come to this conclusion. So I, I guess it's just an extension of that, isn't it? Looking at your life and exactly thinking exactly. about the future. Yeah. And I think the metaphor I came up with was volcanoes, that friendships can either be active volcanoes, they have an active part to play in your life, or they can be dormant, but they forever change the landscape that they find themselves in. And who's to say that volcano might become active again in your life? You just don't know. Like Life is long and, and, and we change and evolve all of the time. And so, yes, I think of my friends as volcanoes. Former footballer and now manager Phil Neville had an attitude to friendship that took me a little by surprise. I, I don't have many friends. I don't want many friends. Sir Alex Ferguson used to say to us, you only need six friends in your life, the ones that are going to carry your coffin. It was a real Scottish, you know, the real Scottish thing he used to say because he, he didn't like entourages around us. So he used to say, look, just get six friends around you. They're the ones that are going to go to the, to the grave with you. So I, I've never been one to having lots of friends. I've probably got two or three friends that are real, real friends. And then outside of that, I, I just... I just cast aside people. I don't, I, I don't really take that many people on, but obviously the, the, the boys, the Nicky, Scolzi, Gary, Bex and, and, and Giggsy are my close friends. They're almost like my brothers. And, and, and I, don't, I don't see them at all. Now we're on a, obviously WhatsApp groups and stuff like yeah. that, but they're getting on with their lives. We're obviously involved at Salford City, but uh, apart from that, I'd not come to Miami and made friends that's not the type of person I am I don't I don't come out here and say I want a load of friends I've got probably one friend out here that I've met that I played golf with yesterday I, is it because you don't trust people yeah I, I don't my granddad hated people he only he only wanted his family around him and then my mum has a similar thing where we used to go on holiday and there was me my brother and my sister and you know like you you your kids go off and and mix with other kids like when I, when I go on holiday, when I used to go on holiday with my two children, we, we used to go to Barbados and the kids used to wander off. I used to drag them back. No, don't, don't be mixing with any of those kids. We've got our own little unit here. I don't want anyone infiltrating us. You know what I mean? And that was, that was my granddad to my mum to us. We just didn't like anyone. My dad hated us bringing friends back to the house a little bit because he just wanted us to be in the house, you know? So we're a little bit unsociable like that. We're a little bit unsociable. Yeah, but you're not. That's the weird thing. You're very, you're very sociable in the sense of like when you're in a work environment, you know, you're chatting to people. So you're not an, un, you're painting yourself as an unfriendly person. Which yeah, but not. I would never, I would never, I would never say, like if you said, oh, come out for a meal with me and Kenny, I'm, when you're crossing the line there, there, Gab, you know, like, I, I'd have, I, you know, you, you're not going to carry my coffee. Well, Kenny could, because he could carry it in one probably, but, but I'm like, it, it, it's probably going to take a lot for me to let you in the inner circle type thing, you know? 
Yeah, right. Okay, that's good to know. So I won't bother. I won't bother with the with the expensive restaurant reservation. No, then. Uh, we we were thinking of coming out to Miami actually for a little because mm. we were there in the January before lockdown. And uh, Kenny said, "Oh, should we go back to Miami this winter?" And um, I won't call you. Uh, we'll just. <laughs> I'll get you a ticket for a game, and and I'll give you the best restaurant. I'll buy my but, own. But you just go and enjoy it on yourself with you know connect with Kenny again. You know. <laughs> And so how's Julie deal with that? Because presumably she's got female friends. It, it, it's a constant battle. Out. It's a constant battle between, and I've had to, ad, I've had to adapt and be flexible because she, she was brought up in where, where they had an open house and their gates were always right. open. And uh, oh, so two very different experiences. And going and so now when the kids, she's so so, so when Isabella uh, wants to bring a friend back, Julie will say, oh, two or three friends, and I'm going just one friend, and and like <laughs> and, and, and we negotiate, and then but my son is just like me. My son is just like right. me. He hates anyone come to the house. He he's he's so rude at times. When people ask him out, place he'll go no. And he he's and we're trying to encourage him to get away from my way way of thinking. But he's just been he's just took my sort of like gene that way where he only wants to hang around with his sister and his mum and his dad and his his brother his uncle or whatever. He you know for his eighteenth. I said, what do you want for your 18th? He went, a party. He, no, don't want a party. He said, I just went out with Uncle Gary. So my, my brother took him out on his 18th for his first drink. That's that's all he wanted to do, just go out with his with his uncle for his first beer or his first wine. Uh, and I said, well, do you want to take your friends? No, no, I'll just go out with Uncle Gary. And that is one thing that goes hand in hand with socialising, isn't it? Alcohol. But many of us find our relationship with alcohol changes in midlife. So I spoke to Matt Pink, aka Better Life Guy, about how sobriety can impact relationships. Being three years deep into this journey now, I can now factually say year one was about staying away from everything, reassessing who I was. Re- year two was about rebuilding and rediscovering who I actually am because you go through life and you walk into a new job, you've got to become a new person. You Even going back to your school, you want to join a group of girl mates, you've got to become like them. And you sort of be, build these shells like an onion. And actually what happens when you stop drinking is you're just left with, you know, with all these different layers to unpeel to figure out again, who am I? And that takes a period of time. And now, year three, I'm kind of like, okay, I, I've got rid of the booze. I know who I am. I know what I want to do with my life. I'm giving back to people. And now it's just keep sharing and keep sharing. So mm. I don't know what year four, five and six are going to look like, but I, I'm, I'm no. going to be honest about it the whole way. What about relationships? Relationships has been like a, a massive change for me. And again, people, get, people are scared of that because when people think about giving up drink, they obviously, everybody they know around them drinks. And so that is a part of it. What I would say is 75% of the people that I drank with disappeared on the spot. Um, and that's kind of a fact. But... I would say out of those people, half of them three years later have come back. And I think it was an initial shock, an initial, they don't know how to deal with it, I don't know how to deal with it, I'm probably being cold, they're being cold, there's a bit of resistance there, therefore we just leave each other. Uh, but it's been really nice to like welcome those people back. We've met for lunch, for coffee, for breakfast, we've gone for runs. Mm-hmm. Some of them have ended up giving up drinking, which is why they sort of ran away in the first place, because it's a little bit like holding a mm-hmm. mirror Holding up. a mirror up to somebody, yeah. So, yeah, those relationships have changed massively. You know, my relationship with my ex-wife, um, who we lost our son, that that's that ended and I'm now remarried, but I have a great relationship with her. We have a great relationship as a blended family, which is something that I don't think many people can say because, again, no, no, no drinks involved. So it's, it is what it is. It's authentic.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I chatted to sports broadcaster Kelly Cates back in 2021. And at the time, we were cautiously edging out of the pandemic. And she was on the verge of dating again for the first time in nearly 20 years. I don't want, you know, to spend my precious free time with a random. So I feel <laughs> what, like... What, you're only going to date people like, you know then? <laughs> well, this is, but this is the thing. I kind of, the, the thought of going on a date and spending an evening with somebody and at the end of it thinking... Why well, I don't really like you. I just, I would be so resentful of that, of them taking up my time. I mean, they're obviously vice versa, but I'm not really bothered about it from their perspective. From their point of view. But, the, but the thought of just spending time with somebody who isn't, who I don't like, you know, bear in mind, I don't get a chance to see the people I do like very often. Yeah. So, but I do know that, you know, unless I want to kind of spend the rest of my life alone and I'm not, I, you know, I've got no real kind of thoughts about, long-term relationships or anything like that or yeah we're not going to scare anybody off here no (laughs) no no no, she's not only going out with you if you marry her (laughs) I just mean that I just mean as in as in you know not even if it was somebody I was attracted to but imagine going out with somebody and you sit there halfway through you think god this guy's an idiot I mean what you've just wasted a babysitter and and like (laughs) I don't think it's gonna be I don't think (laughs) the dream guy is gonna appear on date one I've been told you're not a good matchmaker though I've been warned off <laughs> well we have a mutual friend who wasn't impressed yes. with my first attempt and, and I have a few other uh, disasters that I could share with <laughs> friends that I thought would make quite good you know hookups it didn't quite work out so yeah d- perhaps don't come to me for um, but people do that with me though they go oh you must meet loads of guys as you know yeah. can through you- work yeah, and it, but they're all married yeah, and it's like you, you go well I'm not going to introduce you to some married guy yeah, I don't think that I think that's a good life choice for you <laughs> yes quite um, I know. So, so yeah what- but that's me now if I'm not married must be a reason <laughs> <laughs> well no there's a, lot, there's a lot of people coming up to second time rounds now you know and there's going to be though Kelly I think it's going to be quite amazing like in June people are going to be just like you're going to be like out there it's going to be great (laughs) don't book any holidays this year just be out there just because you don't want to miss a trick (laughs) oh my god I'm going to be like one of those you know there were always I I remember like being at school and there were always the mums who would turn up maybe in like the equivalent of a tennis kit or something like that you know so that was the sort of 80s equivalent of, of you know maybe the yoga yoga moms at school because I think there is a there is a degree of kind of being your best self when you're when you're dating certainly when I think back to you know dating as a a 20 year old and you're not sure of yourself as a 20 year old Mm. you're still kind of trying on all your different versions of yourself and um but you know what you want now really but now yeah and 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 I know who I am really I I know who I want I thought excellent let's put out (laughs) let's put out a public service broadcast like a bat signal (laughs) 
picture of his face. Um, but I just think, <laughs> but I think, you know, I, I kind of, and it's not that, you know, you know yourself, but you know that you're not a, a simple human being. Mm. You're not one thing. You're lots of different people in lots mm. of different situations. And somebody needs to be able to be comfortable with Are you saying that you dress up? <laughs> Have you got a dressing up box? Is this what we're saying? I'm just, I I literally am making myself sound completely unpickable. Have you seen the undateables? This strange woman who's put on two stone in lockdown with multiple personalities. And a dressing up box. And is not very understanding of people and doesn't really like people. So Please please call this this number. Come come and come see me at the end of the podcast. <laughs> and uh, we'll try and sort this branding out. I think we yeah, need to. I, just, I think we need to work it out. I, 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 I will not be writing my own bio on dating websites. <laughs> When I spoke to author Jane Fallon back in 2022, she'd written a lot about online dating for her novel Just Got Real. But having been in a relationship for the best part of four decades herself, I wondered, how did that work? No, but a lot of my friends are doing it. A lot of friends who've been in long-term relationships and have come out of them have got into that world you know older yeah my age or 50s or 40s or whatever so you just mine them for information do door is yeah I can't get enough of it I really can't get enough of it and obviously they all know people have done it so every time one of them hears a story about someone even now I finished that book they will still send me oh guess what happened to this person um so there have been some great my favorite one was a friend of mine she'd been talking to a guy for quite a while on the phone they'd moved onto the phone and he let slip one day that every time he had a phone conversation with one of the women he was talking to he would mark it out of 10 and he kept a little notebook with all the scores in, and he'd top them up at the end of the week and see who it was worth persevering with. Who was top of the pops? <laughs> so obviously that killed that one stone dead. But just stuff like that, I mean, it's fascinating. And even what you just said there is, because I've been married for, um, well, I've been with my husband for nearly 24 years now. Even just the idea that you, you wait a while before you physically talk. You know, when I speak to younger people and they say they're talking, but they're not actually physically talking, what they mean is they're communicating via some kind of app. Um, that bit, I just, that, that also blows my mind, how long it takes for people to get off the internet and get into person. Yeah. And also, I mean, obviously in, in our day, you had a quick reaction to someone, you would meet someone and, and either your pheromones went crazy or they didn't, you know, you you either fancied them or you didn't. It was as simple as that. And there's no way of knowing, I think. I think you could talk to someone yeah. forever on the phone and not know how you would feel when you saw them in person. So the impression I get from my friends is that there's a lot of wasted time really Mm. and also Mm. that a lot of them have ended up just acquiring a load more friends that they didn't really want or need yeah but not but they're you know they'll go through all that process they'll meet the person and it just won't the spark just won't be there my favorite um is an old nanny that we had who um she used to do six in a weekend she'd have a breakfast a lunch and a dinner so if breakfast went well she'd take breakfast on to lunch and if lunch went well she'd cancel dinner so she and so she decided it was a numbers game right it was like kind of it was like a marketing exercise that you know leafleting apparently gets one percent return so she was basically working on those numbers and she's married to a guy who was a lunch date now so she's been with really? him for 15 years so she got rid of breakfast years. yeah met lunch. met lunch got rid of dinner and then you know kind of that day went really well and he's the he's the keeper but um I kind of admired her um stamina as well you know to totally. go through who that. could be bothered I could not be bothered <laughs> I mean just I find it hard to meet one person for coffee a week all joking aside though after a divorce or a breakup it can be so difficult to pick up the pieces of your life again and figure out who you are as a single person in midlife my brilliant friend Kirsty Gallagher spoke openly about this earlier in the year 
when I was at Sky Sports and doing Sky Sports News on a regular basis, going through all the pain of what I was going through as a single mum as well and the divorce and I was doing Strictly, I still had to sit and smile and have full-on makeup and go, yes, and let's talk mm. about Newcastle United, picture team. Um, you know, it's it's like you, you get into that that place mm, where you're just you dealing, dealing with stuff. I was worried about you when you did Strictly, actually, because I was worried. Yeah. It was, I told you, I, was, I thought it was all so raw what what you'd gone through with your separation and then divorce and um and going into that kind of bear pit yeah. of attention yeah, right. and um and I wanted you to really enjoy it but I knew also that yeah. it's you know it's so kind of it's something that you can't explain to people can no, you no. how much of the spotlight you feel like you're no. under in something like that and and you've had to juggle things that are really quite as you said that you said the word trauma very traumatic things that have happened but doing it in a public space, which I think anybody listening to this who's also gone mm. through divorce and, you know, a traumatic into a relationship that hasn't had to deal with that extra layer will really feel a lot of empathy towards you. Because I think, you know, there was no choice, really. You had to keep working and doing what you do because yeah. you had two boys to bring up. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. I mean, Strictly came, at, at, sadly, I mean, I've been, I'd been asked to do it, I think, a couple of years before, probably should have done it then chose the wrong time, but was sort of cajoled into it and thought, oh, well, let's have a go and let's just, mm. you know. And it was- It didn't do you any harm, obviously, but I don't think you enjoyed it as much as you might have done. I didn't. I was a wreck. I was skinny mm. as a rake. I was running on empty, running literally from dance rehearsal in the morning with lovely Brendan to- Sky Sports News and then training at night and then doing, you know, the live show. I mean, you know, it was more than exhausting emotionally, physically, uh, live television, brilliant, wonderful show. I mean, I, all I can say is I thank the camaraderie. Brendan was amazing. There was nothing negative about the show except me being in the wrong place at the wrong, mm. wrong time. I mean, I just felt like it was like a cauldron of like, ah, emotion mm. kind of. Yeah, you were running on um, that kind of adrenaline that yes, that, yeah. uh, that will eventually just kind of cause your Catch immune system you. to just yeah, and it did, didn't it? Yeah, I had a break. I mm. had a, I had a breakdown, really, didn't I? I mean, I I just didn't I didn't cope very well after that. I think that I kept going for so long, and also you know it's very hard when you're when you're in the public eye, you're not going to tell everybody everything because I I want to protect my children and also protect my family. And also protect myself a little bit. You know what happened. You know what happens in my life, you know. Um, but for me, I had to protect all the time and to keep protecting while also working and bring up two children and putting a smiley face on is very difficult. And there are loads of people out there, and I hope this helps people, our chat, because I think there's a lot of people that really struggle in that in that way where you got all this going on, but you're still having to keep going and keep. But being being in the public eye is, is difficult because people, of course, then judge you because well, people fill really a vacuum. If they don't know what they happened, do. they make up things that they a think story. might have happened. Yeah, and right. and obviously, then you become also interesting in a different way because now people want do. to kind of go, oh, well, hang on a minute, she's single. Oh, what's mm. going on? You know, mm. so there's all that stuff that goes mm. on as well. We'll get mm. to all that stuff. Mm. But yeah. so, so when you reach that point um, where 
physically you just kept getting ill, didn't you? Your immune system was just kind of being depleted all the time. And and you felt like you weren't, it looked like you weren't getting enough sleep. You looked kind of, as you say, you were very skinny and you just, and you've always loved movement and exercise. So it wasn't, you know, kind of no. that you that you weren't looking after yourself in that way. What What was the point where you thought, I've got to do something now that I've got to get myself back on track? I made some wrong decisions. Uh, my decision making, I don't need to say too much, was not brilliant. And I couldn't cope with everything. And I also, I actually collapsed on on Sky Sports. Um, I, I, I didn't know what was going on and I just collapsed. And I had a virus. Um, I, I was also having, I think, a breakdown. But I've never really been told that. But I know I was because I know what was going on in my head, which was, um, I wanted to run away, really. I was just in did pain. You? Yeah. How how much did you really think about that? I just, well, I I'd also don't forget, I did that brilliant classic thing of coming out of a relationship and going, ah, party, have fun, just try and take your mind off things. But also... Running, you're running away from it. You're running away and you're trying to meet people. You're trying to like get into something else quickly to fill the void. You you know, you, you you've been in a relationship. I'd been with... Samo for how long? A long time. Two kids. They're my life. Suddenly you're like, I'm on my own. And he would have them 50% of the time. I would go home from work at night um, and be on my own with the dogs going, right, um, this is sad. Mm, don't like this. Don't know what to do with myself. And it was just awful. Very sad. Still not great on my own. Not great. I, I, there are times I'm great on my own. There are times I'm really not great on my own, as you know. Um, I because I you, because your mind kind of yeah, wanders a bit. Yeah, it goes mm. ahead of itself. And I, I start, I think when you're, I, I have started to do, try and do more um, of the kind of meditative stuff, relaxing more. I watch more TV. I read more books. Yes, that's great. But there are times when it doesn't work and you just snap back into, but I'm certainly, um, yeah, I mean, the, the person I look back at makes me very sad. And it's luckily not the person I am, am now. And um, But I think, I think just to answer your question, I was also trying to meet someone. Trying to, I was dating the wrong people. I was like, yeah, that would be good. And get a DM. Yeah, sure. Drink. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, honest, I mean, we know. Let's not even go there. And actually, you know, devaluing yourself in a way. Yeah, of course. Because, of course. you know, because you just didn't. You didn't rate yourself enough to go. Hang on a minute. I'm just, you know, because because you because your self esteem was crushed, wasn't it? And well, that's yeah, what happens at the end of a relationship. Yes, it is. I was I was on the floor, and I I. It's taken me a long time to build myself back up, and also, and it sounds really naff and really cheesy, but the the truth is that, and you know, you've got you've got to respect yourself. You've got to love yourself before you should go anywhere near anyone else, to be quite frank with you, because you're always going to attract the wrong person, the wrong situation. Um, and then you're back down to, back down on the floor square again. Square one you? again. Yeah. Back to square one. So, um, you know, I think in a way I look back and go, I wish a lot of things didn't happen. And actually, in a way I look back and go, as well, in the same breath, I'm really glad all that happened. Because you learned a lot. I've done it all now, mm. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, and it's done. I learned a lot. I can impart that to others, not only myself, and actually make the right choices going forward. And actually, 
you actually just become very strong, like you said. Just not 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 like outwardly like hard shell, but you just inside you go, you can deal with it. I talk to myself a lot. I talk to myself all the time. I go, You're right, you're right, you're right. I do. I talk to myself when I'm a bit like in a place. when you're on your own or Yeah, when I'm on my own or in a in a sort of situation, I go, You're right, it's all right, it's fine, you're right. Just a day where I wake up and things are sad or you know, like we all do, like we all do. I'm just trying to be kinder to myself and I do do that. I do talk to myself. And so I, the you know, the kind voice is overpowering the negative voice that might absolutely. have been Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, I was horrible to myself. Yeah completely because I was sad I was I felt I didn't mean anything you know I'd um I think I think I definitely went through a sort of trauma well I know that um and I think I think you know it's taken a while to build up get back where I am but I'm I mean I'm getting there I think I'm, I'm pretty good now I think that's really really powerful of you to say because I think a lot of people look at the outside don't they and they see you know a picture of you looking fit and beautiful and doing amazing things and and this is the you know this is the kind of society we live in isn't it where everything you know is kind of shiny and great and actually you know you weren't saying you weren't lying about your life you know what I mean but you just weren't mm. able to really tell the full story no. about your life um and you know to a lot of people well hang on a minute she's utterly beautiful she works on telly how can her life not be perfect and it doesn't matter does it all that stuff doesn't matter because as you say if you're being really cruel to yourself inside and your internal dialogue is not is not good and you're not treating yourself well yeah. none of that stuff matters mm. no you're right you're spot on I think that uh it's it's a very complicated matter isn't it it's very complicated um there's a lot of also things going on outwardly but you're right I mean it's very hard when you are in the I mean I try to keep myself I mean I laugh I, I you know I laugh at all these articles where they're going oh she's seeing that person and she's and then they listen and it's like you don't know anything about me I'm pretty private and um that but it does affect me mm. you know what people think and and all the rest of it but yeah I mean when you're in the public are you better eye, at dealing you, do you think that with that yeah, you, I, I don't look at it I don't read it you certainly don't read comments it's very sad you know that some people get it all wrong and get you wrong but what can we do we can't control what people think of us does it um, does it and, make you feel nervous though about I know you, you know you haven't really had a serious boyfriend for a while well, yeah. does it make you nervous that aspect of it about entering into something or do you feel like your heart is full and if you you know if you really met the right person you would be able to trust and not worry I would love to meet someone right now this is I feel like I'm ready to meet someone now I think I thought this 18 months ago when I last saw someone <laughs> and I wasn't in the right place at all and I look back at that situation and not only was he you know it just it, you know, great, but I wasn't in the right place. I wasn't ready. I think I am more ready now because I miss companionship. I miss like doing nice things. I would love someone to like just sweep me off my feet. You know, all of that. I haven't had that for a long time. I haven't really, I don't know. I, you know, you yearn for that as a person who's, I am an emotional person. I'm a very, hopefully a very warm person. I'm a You're a romantic maternal, person, I you think, know. as well. I am romantic. I'm very romantic. And I just really would love that at this point. 
A recent guest on the podcast was barrister-turned-broadcaster and now author Rob Rinder. Rob is recently divorced and had this to say about the importance of building support networks. Yes, I've built teams. That's a really good way of putting it. I have my greatest gift. I think, no, I'm not, I don't think I, I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting because it's my birthday tomorrow. You know, what's been important to me, despite, you know, the failure, let's say, which I'm unashamed by that word of, of me being able to make my marriage or help my marriage endure, is that I have all these different marriages. And I'm aware, and I think it's important to remember that I'd be concerned, and none of my friends who have beautiful, working, and loving marriages don't expect everything from this one person. It's that lovely that's really, tapestry. That's really important, yeah. And that's right, that lovely tapestry of humans. And coming to the mature understanding of who those friendships um, are and how to discern. And discernment is everything as you get older. And I'm really confident that it's this. I mean, you know, it's not certainly about so-and-so will be there in the middle of the night for me. The emergency services will do that for you. <laughs> you know, as will a certain type of kind of rather toxic person that will crowbar themselves into your drama. You know, the first person that phones when something awful happens. It's never your best friend. You know, it's always a histrionic one that sort of got the uh, bridge rolls ready for the funeral. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? That person. <laughs> it's not that. It's when something wonderful happens to you, your kids, the people who are closest to you intimately, and you can't wait to phone them. And you know that they'll celebrate alongside you. And they won't tell you, you know, something about good that happened to somebody else. They'll just be pleased for you. Right. Mm. In the same way your husband will be. Mm. And, you know, that moment in your life. And they'll do the other thing, which is not, I guess, being there in those histrionic, dramatic moments. Time to time, your husband, your curated family, your chosen family of friends, you know, they need to know, despite all outward confidence, confident appearances, the odd occasion when, you know, 99% of the time you're fine, when you just need someone to do this, put their arm in front of you and go, but okay, I've got this. Or actually, I'm going to sort this thing out, you know, to take away agency for time to time. Now, I couldn't get away with an episode on relationships without hearing from my husband, Kenny Logan, who is no stranger to being on the midpoint. If you're in a long-term relationship at this stage of life, you'll know it still requires effort. And this was us talking about the importance of the little things as you get older. It is what happens through the year, isn't it? You can't just throw it all onto Valentine's Day. Yeah, like, exactly. So today, I was out of my office. When oh, I came back, you'd, nice, you'd left a cup of coffee and a little tracker bar yeah. on my desk for me. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's... That's in my coffee, in my tracker bar. You don't drink coffee. Desk. <laughs> no, um, but I, I think it's important, right? I'm always a believer. If I'm doing something for myself and you're somewhere, would you want a cup of tea? Would you want a bar? Would you... I wouldn't make myself food and come through and go, I've had my lunch. We all... I think it's important that you've got to not just think about yourself all the time. Think about the other person. Yeah. So what, so what... So what... That's important about your relationship. Think about other people. Think about it. That's what I'm saying. That's what think I'm about saying. other people what outside of the relationship. No, no, no. no, no, no. I think it's saying like your relationship, when you get older, you get, when you're in a long-term relationship, you maybe get a bit stale. Mm. So keep it fresh and doing these little things. It may be a little thing, but it is a big thing for a relationship. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. You used to have um, this particular flower place in Chelsea when we lived in London that you, if you oh, ever, yeah. you had this thing where if you ever drove past it, you had to stop and buy flowers. Now I go around it. <laughs> 
No, no, now he uses ways to make sure he never yeah, drives past it. <laughs> places you like to ignore, Chelsea Flower Shop. It's got ridiculous expensive. Everything has love. Oh, Everything has. Yes. To end, I wanted to dip back into my special expert episode with Professor Roseanne Kenny. Roseanne is the founding principal investigator of the Irish Longitudinal Study on Aging, and she's written Age Proof, the New Science of Living a Longer and Healthier Life. And here she explains how studies in the so-called blue zones, areas of the world where people generally live the longest, have shown that strong and varied relationships can actually slow down our biological ageing. There was one researcher who spent time in Sardinia studying this, social scientist, and she went into the room of a 102-year-old man into the kitchen, and she sat there. Um, and he he's got, he was up and he dressed and down, and three generations were living in the house. And the kitchen was sort of fronting onto the, onto the when I say main road, it's one of those small little Sardinian roads with how, tall houses each end. And so she sat down to interview him. She didn't get a word in edgeways almost all day. Because so many, everybody who was passing popped in to say hello to him. And then the other three generations were moving up and down, popping in and out to the kitchen, chatting to him all the time. She just, she hadn't a moment. And it really occurred to her, wow, I mean, this is like a railway station. And, and, and this person is constantly being stimulated by different people, different conversations, different reflections, peppered by meals. <laughs> so she, she just said it was, it was a real eye opener for her. And I think that that is one of the secrets of the Blue Zone. All those, that seems to be a common. The, all the Blue Zones have that in common. They all have that shared social connect, social engagement, social connectedness and variety also. Variety in their, in whatever is stimulating them. So, of course, we don't all, unfortunately, live on a small cobbled street in Sardinia. So we need to think of creative ways that we can actually shape our lives with those sort of fun do's that work at a biological level. That's the interesting thing. These people have slower biological aging. So some of the do's that we know about are having a purpose in our lives, creativity, um, adds that those same same hormonal inflammatory biological changes that that you see by um, social engagement, laughter, lots of laughter. Um, laughter is really, really good for us, you know. And people say laughter is the best medicine. That it's fantastic that 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 well-known expression has now translated into true science at a biological level, isn't it? Um, religion for some, but mm-hmm. but it's not very clear. Is that more to do with the community? I was just about to say that it's not very clear whether, well, it could be community or meditation and mm-hmm. de-stressing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there, there are a couple of elements that we know are very good for us, you know, and that's the other big thing, stress. Stress is really bad. Stress is bad for the inflammation. All of the stress hormones, which which are released, are really bad for impacting, obviously, on sleep, but but also on energy production and bad for mitochondria, bad for mood. All all of that is is really bad for our system. So anything which lowers adrenaline or cortisol is really good for our system. And then sharing. They, they, they in Sardinia people meet once a day for a for a kind of chat session usually in the afternoon usually frankly with a glass of wine, um and that just problem sharing is really really good and there are lots of experiments at, at you know from from students university student groups right through to older age groups to show that a problem shared really is a problem halved in terms of biological impacts. 
So food for thought there for all of us. And I hope you've enjoyed this special episode. Remember, you can go back and listen to any of those chats in full wherever you get your podcasts. All seven series of The Midpoint are still available. So if you've got any long journeys coming up this summer, be sure to download a few and I'll keep you company. Thanks to all my guests who made this episode possible. And thank you to Spiritland Productions for putting it all together. I'll be back with more musings on midlife next week. Catch you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.